What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to The Flowered Path. Later in this episode, I'll be telling about the life of Mother Mary Lang, founder of the Oblate Sisters of Providence, and the St. Francis Academy in Baltimore, Maryland. She was recently declared venerable by Pope Francis. First, I want to thank patrons of The Flowered Path for their support. Patrons and donations help me continue to make The Flowered Path and bring you more content. All patrons get the regular episodes of The Flowered Path ad-free, often before they drop on the regular podcast feed. Rose and Orchid-tier patrons also get shout-outs on the show. Orchid-tier patrons get monthly merch mailings as well. To check out all of the patron options and benefits, and to help me to continue to make The Flowered Path, go to patreon.com slash thefloweredpath. You can also find a PayPal link if you want to make a one-time donation. Just click the support button at thefloweredpath.com and look for the PayPal button that says donate. We do have a section for The Flowered Path in our Etsy shop. If you go to Etsy, our shop name is Lost Grave, one word. When you go to our shop, you'll see a bunch of stuff for my other podcasts, Strange Familiars. You'll see some books I've written, some of my artwork, etc., 
But we do have a section for the flowered path there. And if you click on that, you'll see things like prints of my interpretation of Our Lady of Fatima, the artwork I did colored by Jesse Higgy, the flowered path t-shirts, stickers. Occasionally I find books that I will add to the shop. I think right now we have a book on the story of Fatima and anything else of interest to the flowered path listeners I will put in there. A note on the flowered path t-shirts I have reordered them. We will be getting all sizes, small through 3X, back in stock sometime soon. I think right now we might just have smalls and mediums left there at Etsy. Go ahead and check it out. Again, our shop name at Etsy is Lost Grave, and then we have a section for the flowered path right there in the shop. Shopping at our Etsy shop supports the show as well, so thank you. Okay, let's check the news. In 1996, in the Mexican state of Chiapas, the long-abandoned town of San Juan Quechula was permanently submerged underwater when the construction of a nearby hydroelectric dam turned the area into a reservoir. The edifice of a late 16th century Dominican church in the town was mostly lost beneath the waters at that time, although upper portions of the structure remained visible above the water and accessible via boat. Over the years, it became a popular destination in the region for tourists and photographers. Severe drought and heat conditions in Chiapas this year have caused the water levels to reduce so drastically that the entirety of the church's structure is now accessible on foot. Visitors have found the dramatic stone arches, columns, brickwork, and other architectural details have remained surprisingly intact and well-preserved after decades underwater. The church dates back to the Spanish colonization of Mexico in the 1500s. Founder Bartolomé de las Casas was a slave owner from Seville, who benefited from the practice of encomienda, whereby the Spanish crown enabled white settlers to seize land in the colonies and enslave the indigenous inhabitants. Later in his life, Las Casas became a Dominican friar and missionary, and his faith led him to renounce slavery and the other atrocities committed against indigenous peoples by European colonists. He went on to advocate for abolition of the encomienda system and for the establishment of self-governing indigenous communities. Las Casas hoped that the church and town would become an important destination along the El Camino Real, a route connecting important Spanish settlements throughout the region. It's unclear whether the church ever had a dedicated priest of its own or was mostly served by nearby dioceses. The town of San Juan Quechula and its church were abandoned in the 1770s after a plague devastated the community. St. Thomas More's head is entombed beneath the St. Nicholas Chapel inside St. Dunstan's Church in Canterbury, England. When the vault was last opened in 1997, the relic was found to be severely deteriorated. A forensic report, written after the vault was opened in 1977, 
noted that there were only parts of the skull remaining, a bit of the hard palate, a segment of the jawbone showing one tooth socket, another skull fragment, and dust. If the relics are not properly preserved, they could be lost. St. Dunstan's Church was formerly Catholic, but was taken over by the Anglican Church after the Reformation. St. Thomas More was beheaded in 1535. More refused to take the oath of supremacy, swearing allegiance to King Henry VIII as Supreme Governor of the Church of England. St. Thomas More's body was buried in an unmarked grave. His head was placed on a spike on London Bridge, where it remained for a month before More's daughter, Margaret Roper, bribed the executioner and took possession of the relic. The head was placed in a lead casket and eventually passed to Roper's daughter Elizabeth, Lady Bray. It is thought that the casket was placed in the Roper vault under the chapel of St. Nicholas when Elizabeth died in 1558. Hundreds of pilgrims visit St. Dunstan's church yearly to pay honor to St. Thomas More, but the relic remains hidden in the vault. Though a plan has been submitted for the preservation and display of the holy relics of St. Thomas More, St. Dunstan's parish council unanimously voted against the idea. If the relics are not properly preserved, they almost certainly face further deterioration, with the possibility of total loss. Pope Leo XIII beatified Thomas More in 1886, and he was canonized by Pope Pius XI on May 19, 1935. We recently published a two-episode series on the Fatima apparitions, a series of Marian apparitions from 1917 witnessed by three child seers. For a detailed account of these apparitions and the events surrounding them, please check out those episodes I did with Brother Richard. The two youngest Fatima seers, Jacinta and Francesco Marto, died when they were ages 10 and 11, shortly after the time of the apparitions. Their deaths at a young age were predicted by the apparition of our Blessed Mother. Pope Francis canonized the Marto children in 2017, making them the youngest saints who were not martyrs in the history of the Church. On June 22nd, Sister Lucia dos Santos was awarded the title Venerable by Pope Francis, recognizing her heroic virtue and advancing her toward beatification and hopefully sainthood. Of the three seers who witnessed the Fatima apparitions, only Sister Lucia was able to see, hear, and speak to the apparition of the Blessed Virgin Mary and the angel. Jacinta could see and hear the apparitions, but either could not or did not speak to them. Francesco could see the apparitions, but could not hear the words they spoke. After the apparitions of 1917, Sister Lucia eventually became a Carmelite nun. For a long time she lived anonymously amongst her sisters, who did not realize she was the surviving seer of Fatima. Sister Lucia was 97 years old when she died on February 13, 2005. While there is usually a five-year waiting period after someone's death, before the process of canonization can begin, Pope Benedict XVI granted a special dispensation, and the cause for canonization of Sister Lucia was opened in 2008 when she was declared Servant of God. Having now been declared Venerable, 
there will need to be one church-approved miracle credited to Sister Lucia's intercession, after which she can be beatified. Sister Lucia, pray for us. In the same decree, which gave Sister Lucia the title of Venerable, Pope Francis recognized the martyrdom of Manuel González Serna Rodríguez and 19 others killed during the Spanish Civil War in 1936. Four other servants of God were declared Venerable along with Sister Lucia. Mother Mary Lang, we'll hear more about her later in this episode. Brazilian Archbishop Antonio de Almeida Lustosa was born February 11, 1886. He attended Don Bosco College at age 16 and was ordained a Salesian priest at age 26. In 1925, he was appointed Bishop of Ubiraba and shortly thereafter Archbishop of Belém de Para. Archbishop Lustosa would become known as the Bishop of Social Justice, helping to establish clinics, the St. Joseph Hospital, free schools, workers' clubs, soup kitchens, and other services for the poor. Archbishop Lustosa died August 14, 1974. Born in Venice, Italy in 1526, Father Antonio Pagani was a Franciscan priest who participated in the Council of Trent. He founded the Franciscan Third Order Groups, the Company of the Brothers of the Cross, and the Company of Demes, who still exist today as Demes Sisters, Daughters of Mary Immaculate. Father Pagani spent his last years in prayer and contemplation at Franciscan Hermitages. He died on January 4, 1589. The calls for Father Pagani's beatification was opened in 1615. Sister Anna Cantalupo was a Vincentian nun from Catania. She cared for the sick and poor, especially war orphans, during World War II. Sister Cantalupo died on March 17, 1983. She was over 90 years old when she passed. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. On June 22, 2023, Mother Mary Lang, one of the founders of both the Oblate Sisters of Providence and the St. Francis Academy in Baltimore, was declared venerable by Pope Francis, advancing her closer to sainthood and becoming, potentially, the first African-American saint. While little is known about Mother Lang's early life, it is thought that she was born around 1784 and grew up in an area of Santiago, Cuba, where French was the primary language. In the early 1800s, Mother Lang, then called Elizabeth, came to the United States, settling in Baltimore, Maryland, by 1813. Mother Mary Lang's story is entwined with that of the school she helped to establish. On June 13, 1828, the School for Colored Girls was opened in Baltimore, Maryland. Maryland was a slave state, and the Civil War was over 30 years into the future. While Baltimore had a sizable population of free black residents, opportunities for education were severely limited. It was a time when educational advancement for girls of any race was not always a priority. When a school dedicated to the education of African-American girls opened in the biggest city of a slave state, it was nothing short of revolutionary. Two women of color, Elizabeth Lang and Marie Ballas, an immigrant from St. Domingue, modern-day Haiti, had been running a free school for the black immigrant community from their home. Lang and Ballas, highly respected in the Baltimore African-American community, already had a desire to become nuns when they were approached by Father James Joubert with the idea to start and teach at the School for Colored Girls. Father Joubert was a Sulpician priest who was assigned the task of the religious education of African-American children at St. Mary's Seminary in Baltimore. Father Joubert, realizing that the burden of such an important school could more easily be borne on the shoulders of many, had the idea of establishing a religious order, the Sisters of Providence, later known as the Oblate Sisters of Providence. Less than a week after the School for Colored Girls opened, on June 24, 1828, Elizabeth Lang was named Superior of the Oblate Sisters of Providence, sharing the title of co-founder of the order with Father Joubert. A two-story brick building rented near the seminary served as both the convent for the sisters and a boarding school. Five boarders were there on opening day. On June 23rd, three orphans were admitted, free of charge. By November of that year, the students numbered 20, nine boarders and 11 day scholars. The school would only grow from there. By 1838, the school boasted 56 students. Of these, 16 were boarders and 40 were day students. The Oblate Sisters of Providence were organized throughout the next year. Sisters Lang, Ballas, and Rosine Bogue, another immigrant from St. Domingue, each began their novitiate. During this time, they wrote, with Father Joubert, both the prospectus for the school and the rules for the Oblate Sisters. On June 5, 1829, Archbishop Whitfield approved the Oblate Sisters' constitution 
opening the door for the novitiate sisters to profess their vows. July 2, 1829, found the sisters taking their vows and new names. Elizabeth Lang took the name Sister Mary. Marie Ballas became Sister Mary Frances. Rosine Bogue received the name Sister Mary Rose. A 19-year-old pupil from the School for Colored Girls, Alamade Duquemin, also entered the Oblate Sisters as a novice, taking the name Sister Marie Therese. Seven more pupils would become Oblate Sisters during the following decade. Despite some opposition to both a school for African American girls and the Oblate Sisters themselves, some people objected to women of color wearing the religious habit, the Oblate Sisters received papal recognition on October 2, 1831, from Pope Gregory XVI. In the 1850s, the school was renamed St. Francis Academy. An annex building was constructed to serve as a school for males, also staffed by Oblate Sisters. In 1858, they opened two more expansion schools in Baltimore. The fact that the institution not only survived in a slave state during the Civil War years, but expanded, speaks both to the strength of the sisterhood and the quality of the education they provided. By 1866, the school had become one of the leading academies in the United States. The Oblate Sisters of Providence provided more than just education, responding to other needs of their community, educating the formerly enslaved, taking in widows and orphans, and more. Sister Mary Lang served as Mother Superior to the Oblate Sisters of Providence from 1829 to 1832, and again from 1835 to 1841. During the 1830s, she helped to nurse the sick and dying during a cholera outbreak in Baltimore. In the mid-1840s, Mother Lang worked as a domestic, cleaning St. Mary's Seminary. From 1850 until 1860, Mother Lang served as a novice mistress for the Oblate Sisters. MotherLang.org, which is the website promoting her calls for canonization, provides a remarkable quote about the extraordinary woman. Quote, Mother Mary Lang practiced faith to an extraordinary degree. In fact, it was her deep faith which enabled her to persevere against all odds. To her black brothers and sisters, she gave of herself and her material possessions until she was empty of all but Jesus, whom she shared generously with all by being a living witness to his teaching. Unquote. At the end of the Civil War, Baltimore, the northernmost southern city, was inundated with war orphans. Mother Lang gathered 60 of the black children and took over their care and education. By 1876, Mother Lang had succumbed to old age and became feeble and almost blind. She was relieved of her duties and died on February 3, 1882. The St. Francis Academy, the school Mother Lang helped to establish, continues its mission of education today. With the approval of the Vatican, William Cardinal Keeler, Archbishop of Baltimore, opened the calls for sainthood for Mother Mary Lang in 1991. 
Recognizing Mother Lang's heroic virtue on June 22, 2023, Pope Francis advanced her title from Servant of God to Venerable. There must be one Church-approved miracle attributed to Mother Lang's intercession before she is beatified. Pray for us, Mother Mary Lang. Another woman of interest, whose story we covered here on the Flower Path, started her religious life with the Oblate Sisters of Providence. Sister Wilhelmina Lancaster, the foundress of the Benedictines of Mary, took her vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience as an Oblate Sister in 1944. She was exhumed on April 28, 2023, roughly four years after her burial in a simple wooden coffin. Sister Wilhelmina's body was found to be incorrupt. While incorruptibility is not a requirement for sainthood and does not meet the requirement for a miracle for those on the path to beatification, it is considered to be a potential sign of holiness. sources for this show, including the news segment, can be found in the show notes for this episode at thefloweredpath.com. News writers for The Flowered Path are patrons and friends of the show, Sarah and Kevin. Please like and subscribe to The Flowered Path wherever you are listening. If you are inclined to leave a nice review, that will help as well. The Flowered Path is on YouTube, so please subscribe to our channel. You can find it by going to youtube.com slash at sign thefloweredpath6395. No matter where you listen, if you like what you hear, please share the episodes on social media. You can find The Flowered Path on Facebook, facebook.com slash thefloweredpath, on Instagram at thefloweredpath, and on the web at thefloweredpath.com. visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. <sighs> visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.